Kristen. And I'm Keontae. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the Crafted, Crafted Podcast. Podcast. Well, what's up, everybody? It's another week, another podcast episode, and um, we're so glad that you've tuned in with us. Yes, we are excited to do another episode. We're kind of tired, though, this time, right? No, it's all good. Yeah. I think I think this is a perfect, uh, for those of you that don't know, the behind the scenes. We always record our podcast at night. Sitting in the bed. Yeah, sitting in the bed when our kids go down. Because, of course, you know, that's the easiest way to try to record something without chaos around. Because, bruh, having a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old, that Wild. It's, just, it's just noise gazoo. So, um, noise what? What was that word? Noise gazoo. Oh, gazoo. That's new. What? How is that new? <laughs> is that a real word? Yeah. Like, it's like a, well, I don't know if it's, well, te- technically, I don't know if it's a real word. It's like, um, I mean, it's just like a saying, like when somebody call them, when somebody says like, I don't know, like you're, you know, if you have like a lot of cats, they'll call you like cats McGee. Cats McGee. Okay, so you, you know were saying I mean? noise gazoo or noise magoo. Which one was it? No, noise gazoo. Okay, that's different. I never have heard you say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's it's just a saying. Like, so I don't know if it's in Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Maybe it's like on that, Urban Dictionary. Maybe it's in Meemaw. I don't know if it's that even on like, Urban Dictionary. That sounds sound like, like that was in Meemaw's Dictionary. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I don't know if that's in Urban Dictionary. But anywho, yeah, man, um, we're back with another podcast episode, and... Um, yeah, let's get into some, well, first let's get into our let's get deep question. Our let's get deep question this time is, when was the last time you cried? <sighs> you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. So the last time I cried is like last Wednesday or Thursday. And if you've been listening to the podcast, everybody knows that my brother recently passed away from pancreatic cancer. And so it is still tender on my heart. And so, you know, every few days I do have a little crying sesh because it is just hard for me. And it's crazy because I am not a crier. Like literally before July, which was when my brother passed away, I've probably cried. I probably cry like once per year, no joke, or maybe twice per year. And so this has been the most crying I've done ever in my life. So it's just wild. Mm. But yeah, that was the last time I cried. How about you? Well, the last time, I mean, that was low, that was pretty much like the last time I like big cry. But the last time, if we're just counting crying as like tearing up in general, the last time I like got a little tear, um, I went to go see this movie, um, this Gran Turismo movie. Um, and it's a really good story. It's based on a true story. Um, just in short... The story is that a guy um, played the Gran Turismo game, which is a racing game on PlayStation, um, and he was able to become a real-life race car driver. But in the movie, spoiler alert, let me give you a chance to, if you want to see the movie, but spoiler <laughs> alert, um, and while when he becomes a physical driver, he ends up having like a freak accident. Like his car takes off like a plane almost, and it goes into a crowd of people. Um, and it ends up killing like a bystander. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's horrible. And so, but he gets banged up too, like he gets knocked out. And so when he wakes up like in a hospital, the guy who was acting, who was like playing the role, like dude, bruh, he did such a good job at like showing like the human side of like he, like he went to a deep depression, like he just couldn't believe that he was driving a car that killed somebody. That's you know what I mean? Wild. And just watching like his inflection on screen, and then like me actually like thinking about it. Like, I started thinking about it, like, dang, like, this happened in real life. Then, for some reason, like, since it's a racing movie, I started thinking about Paul Walker. Then I started thinking about Paul Walker and his daughter and, like, the daughter not growing up without a father. Dang, and just, you went through a whole bro, cycle. <laughs> bro, and I just got, like, I got, like, low-key emotional, high-key emotional. Um, so I wasn't yeah. there for that. I would have I would have patted you on your back and I said, know, they're I there. Know. I mean, like there. I said, it wasn't a big cry, but it was just, like, you know, I got emotional because, like, you know, now I'm a father. So I'm just, like, bruh, like, that's just a lot. But yeah, yeah, that'd be my last time. Okay, interesting, interesting, <laughs> interesting. Okay, so let's segue into our random segment. That's my new. Well, it's your new segment that I added. Oh, so me like giving like a random anything cap. random. It's supposed to be a Snapple cap fact. So like you know something this this short, sweet, and to the point. You know. Okay, a Snapple cap. Snapple cap fact is that did you know? That um, I, I think I told you this last week, but this will be new to the listeners. 
But remember, we were looking at Russia, right? The uh-huh. country Russia. And we were trying to figure out, like, is Russia a part of Europe or is it like a part of Asia? Right. And remember, I told you, I said, I think Russia is so big that it might inhabit both, you know, both sections. I think it might be half Euro- European and half Asian. Yeah, and it does. Yeah, so Russia is that big that it's literally, you know, I think it's like 30% of Europe and then like 70% Asia. Right. Um, but the snapple fact is that did you know that Russia is still not fully explored? That's how much land is in Russia. That's pretty wild. Like, I wonder why they haven't explored. Like, they can't just hire some researchers and say, go explore. Well, parts of Russia, because, you know, Russia, it gets to the tip of like, um, of like the North Pole, pretty much. And like, there's a region called like this, it's called the Sakat Republic. Uh-huh. Um, and, and in that region specifically, like it gets like super cold. It gets so cold that it's hard to really like tr- track through. Like, That's wild. I guess Russia is close to Alaska, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ru- like Russia and Alaska is really is like next door to each other. Um, but yeah, That's in the, like, the Sakai Republic, about. it gets, it can get any, it can get, uh, I think the, the highest that they've well, the, really is the lowest. The the coldest that it's gotten is about negative sixty one degrees. Oh, so they can't explore because it's cold or what? Yeah, like it's just too. It's just freezing. But it's I just... feel like people explore Antarctica, but I guess they haven't explored all of Antarctica. Yeah, yeah, huh? they're like yeah, scientists and researchers. They just kind of stay in like kind of like one spot or like one type of area. Huh. They haven't like explored the whole thing, or you know, on top of that, like you, there's a giant ice cap, so you don't really know what's even below the ice caps. But wow. anyway, I remember reading the statistic. It said that in all of Russia, about 35% of Russia is unexplored. That is so interesting. You know, okay. and even, yeah, and I'm about to say, even apart from that cold region, there's just like vast, just forest and like just, you know, mountain range where I'm guessing it's probably just a bunch of wildlife and stuff like that. Even parts of that hasn't been explored because even though Russia is this big country, it doesn't have that many people in it. You know what I mean? Like all the inhabitants, they live like, you know, more so closer to like Moscow and on the, you know, outskirts of that. But the rest of Russia is just, yeah. Now I got to do some research to see how many people they have there. (laughs) I'm interested. Okay. Yeah. That's my snapple fact for the day. All right. Okay. So let's get into our forever segment, which is our marriage segment for those who don't know. And so this time we're going to be talking about the art of arguing. I had to give a poetic name to it like you would do. The art of arguing. And so um, our, what's our argument history, baby? Tell them a little bit about our argument history. Well, we used to be going to we used to be going to blows with each other in our first like couple of years of marriage. Oh yeah, <laughs> just just arguing because, bruh. I mean, this is not for everybody, but I feel like most married couples that I run into that first year is literally the worst year, and and the I, second year is the second worst. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. And I feel like it's because like really you're really merging two lives, two different perspectives, two upbringings together. So like, of course it's natural for you to bump heads and you're just really trying to figure a person out. Even though if you've been dating for a while, once you get married, I don't know, it's like a, a new target gets in your back and like the devil is just really at work. Yeah, you know really. I mean? it it's because you you're under covenant. So it's like, bruh. listen, let me attack, attack, attack. Let me try and ruin their testimony. But yeah, that's like really the heart of like our argument history. And then I would say like after sometime like past the fourth year, we still argue, but our arguments really kind of started to level out or whatnot. Like, I think, like, we went from arguing maybe, like, almost every other week in that first... Not, not, not even every other first, week. The first year, it was almost every other day. Yeah, the first year is like, every other day. And then, like, the three years after that, maybe, like, every other week, maybe, like, a month or so. And then, like, going into that fifth year, we started cruising. Like, maybe we get into, like, a heated discussion, like, every other month. And now we're in year 13... Or, you know, 15 years together, but 13 years married. And we really hardly argue. Like, if we do get into, a, if we do get into, like, a heated discussion or, like, one of them blowout arguments, I'm thinking maybe twice a year. Yeah, maybe not even. Yeah, like, about twice a year. I agree. I just think that early on in marriage, like, the amount of arguing we did was, like, ridiculous. And... 
like I just feel like especially being young we were already irrational but then with add the strain of marriage on you it was so hard and I almost failed out of college because I was like I was literally staying up all night arguing Mm. with him and we were really arguing about nothing and you know and we were doing we were doing things all wrong you know we weren't working together as a team we were doing low blows all that stuff and it was like a legit fireworks show and then you say it got better after the fourth year, but I feel like... Well, it started to, like, level out, you know? Like, it started not to become as frequent. Yeah, yeah, where it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, like, here we go again. Yeah. Yeah, I think around the fifth, fourth and fifth years when it started to level out, like you said, and then I, I, I think, like, after year seven, then our arguments severely diminished, like... Mm-hmm. It was just low, low, low. After uh, after we had August, then our arguments just got really slim to none. And then I think um, after Josie, that's when it just was like zero. Like we just don't really argue. And like you said, so I, I'm in agreement with all the things you said, basically. And so do you think there is an art to the way that you argue or an art to arguing? Yeah, I think there's a I think there's an art to the way you should argue. What what were we doing wrong at first? Can you tell me a little bit about Man, that? At first we were still we were still two individuals arguing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what I mean by that is like we were arguing or at least I for me, I was arguing for the sake of trying to win. I was trying to be right. I was trying to get my point across and make you understand my point and come to what I'm thinking about. Rather than mm-hmm. now, like I said, now that we've matured in our relationship and we've been together for so long and we've experienced so much, now the arguments, my main focus, like if we do get into a disagreement, I'm like, bro, how can we come back together? Like, because if we're going to argue, we need to argue as a unit, as a team, not against each other. It's not a competition to see who is going to be right or who's going to be the, you know, you the, you're the wrong one. Right. But we have to look at this as a, it's a partnership. This is a union. Yeah. And so instead of arguing with each other, against each other, we need to come together and figure out what's the root of the problem and try to nip that in a bud and, and come to a consensus so that we can move forward as a unit, as one. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I just think that really now I don't argue, to be honest. I'm not, <laughs> I just don't argue like I'll just go upstairs or I will walk away I'll just do something else like I just think that arguing takes so much energy and it's just energy that I'm just not willing to give and I feel like at this point it's really nothing that is that serious for us in our marriage I don't know about everybody else's marriage but Mm -hmm. in our marriage there's nothing that's that serious for us to be arguing about like, you know, if ain't nobody getting cheated on or, you know, gambling all of our money away and things like that, then, you know, what's the big deal? But I think one of the um, early mistakes that we had was that we had um, inappropriate expectations. And really, that could be mm-hmm. a podcast topic all on its own, huh? Oh, yeah, because, yeah, we assume that's what we do as like humans. We just assume that somebody can read our minds. We assume that somebody's going to do what we think they should be doing. And when you just continue to have assumptions, it's going to lead you down a dark alley of just disappointment and resentment. But not even the assumptions. It's really the expectations, you know? But what I'm saying, like, like, I feel like the expectations is an assumption that you think that the person is going to be doing this. And this is how they, I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to do it this way or that they're thinking this way. Okay. And we're expect like, you know what I mean? Like it's, you're right though. I mean, we're, we're saying the same thing as a synonym. Like we're expecting the person, <laughs> we're expecting them to just, I don't know if that's a synonym, but I'll take it. Assuming, <laughs> assuming they expect them. That's what I, I mean. Kind of sort of. I feel like, I feel like that, um, a lot of men get married. I get, well, I guess you're kind of right. I agree. I agree. Now that I'm thinking about it, cause I guess you could, replace assume with expect but i think a lot of men expect their wife to be like this perfectly submissive woman that is just gonna do what she said he says but it's gonna be independent and all that kind of stuff but then i think that women expect or assume that you know that their man is gonna be out there uh doing everything that she want him to do that that she gonna have them tiktok uh 
TikTok things that she sees and all that stuff. I just say TikTok because, you know, all the, the sprinkle, sprinkle culture is all the rave right now. So I always go back to TikTok and all that stuff. And so I think that you set yourself up for failure, though, when you when you have those unrealistic expectations or assumptions. No, no, no. Yeah, you're, you're, you're totally right. And like, but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, we all have this. Like, when you get married, you have like this fairy tale syndrome. This picture. Think yeah, of where you think like, oh, now that we married, everything is just gonna fall in place. I'm gonna be the head of this for the men. I'm gonna be the head of the household, and she's just gonna follow my lead, and she's just gonna submit to me, and you know, I'm gonna lead this family. But oftentimes, men get into marriages and they think they just leading somebody and somebody should follow them when they are parked car. You know what I mean? Like, they ain't even moving. They ain't having motion. You know what I mean? And, like, oftentimes, and most of the people, like, I talk to when people ask me for, like, marriage advice, especially, like, men, like, I talk to them and I just ask them, like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing for her to want to be led by you? What are you doing? What have you done for her to actually trust you? Because what men think, we think that, oh, since we get married and you taking my last name, then trust just comes automatically. And it don't. Yeah, like trust is something that really truly has to be built up. Because at the end of the day, even though we're married, you know what I mean? Even though we stood before God and took these vows, at the end of the day, we're still human. So who's to say that, you know, you get married to a man and then the next day he just flip out and, you know, be going crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't guarantee that everybody's gonna be doing what they're supposed to do or plan that position. So that's why, you know, trust needs to be built up to the way where if you're being doing what you're supposed to do and you're being the man that you're supposed to be, then naturally a woman is just going to want to follow your lead. She's going to want to be submissive. But also too, I think we take that out of context, like just the submit part and you know, the, the right. household part with the with the biblical stuff, because it's not just a woman submitting. Us as men and us as husbands, we have to submit too. You know what I mean? We're we're we have to submit to this this is a this is a, a union of holy matrimony. So it's not just I'm the end all be all as a man, like I have to submit as well. To God. Yeah. Yeah. But not even just a guy. Like I'm, like I'm called to sacrifice for you. That's submission. Yeah. So. And you're called to love. Yeah. But yes, I just think that that's interesting. And you know, along with the inappropriate expectations, is people know who they marry. Like, all of a sudden, when you get married, somebody is not gonna flip a switch and be, "Wow, she's a Stepford wife," or "Wow, he's this." Uh, Johnny, not Johnny Bravo, because he was dumb, but you know, he's this uh, buff, rich, uh, you know, super ambitious, uh, romantic guy, you know, you're not going to automatically get that. What you got in relationship is likely what you're going to get in marriage, minus a little bit, because mm, minus a little bit, though, for real, like, you know, people are putting their best on in they dating world, but then when you get married, people slack a little bit, but... You know, you, you, people are, I've seen a lot of women are getting upset because their husbands aren't like making all this money and stuff. And I'm like, girl, when you married him, was he making all that money, honey? Girl, when, when you met him, were you working? Did he say, oh girl, I'm about to make all this money and you about to be at home. Did he say that to you? (laughs) You know, or, or. Oh, you were sending them all those TikToks of the Louis Vuitton bags and the roses everywhere. But honey, like, was he doing that in a relationship? Did he buy you anything designer? You yeah. know? But see, but I think that's and, another... Oh, go I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say... No, you could go. Oh, I was going to say, I think that's another avenue of, like, the art of arguing because... Just like you said, when it falls into like the assumptions or the, you know, what I'm... What I'm the expectations is... um. Have y'all had a conversation? Yes, like most, that was my. That's where I was going next. Yeah, so I'm saying, glad most, you segued into yeah, that. Yeah, most arguments come about because, like I said, you assume something and then you're not really having that conversation. Like for example, like you said, like women, they like some women will get mad and you know because they expect their husband when they get married to all, all of a sudden be making a hundred k and just be this goal driven, goal orientated, or oriented person. And um, yeah, like you said, like was he that when you was dating him? Right. You know what I mean? And if that's not the case, then that's like a that's like a conversation that really y'all should have had before you tied the knot. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you but if you're in a situation where you already tied the knot and you there, then that's a furthest conversation that you need to have with each other. 
Yeah. Like, hey, what is I your agree. yeah? What is your five year plan? Um, you know, are you planning on looking for a better job? You know, how are we? You know, how are the finance? How are our finances going to work out? Maybe we should create a budget. You know, what I mean, hey, are, are, is there anything that you're looking for me to pro- to do or provide? Because you know, I'm hoping that we can get to a point where you know we can take trips with each other, and that being the budget, are like I'm right. And if you're not in alignment, then you should have you should have left before you got married, sis, exactly. or or uh, bro. <laughs> but yeah, but like I said, I think, and like I said, communication really, I mean, that's just the crust of the crups of, um, of, of most arguments in, in, in general, like most people, they don't communicate, but they expect someone to just read their mind and figure out why they're feeling a certain way or, you know, oh, I want you to do it this way, but you're not saying that you're, you're, imp- you, sometimes you imply things like that, or you'll give hints, but come on, like. Let's just talk about it. Right. Tell me Let's what you're just be uh, up front, you know? And, and there's, I was going to say too, everything doesn't have to be an argument. My sister gave me that advice before, I think, was it before me and you got married? Or it might have been after we got married. But really, everything does not have to be an argument. There are some quick fixes for things. You upset because your man always buy you raggedy gifts? Okay. Make him a, any, a wish list and, and add him to it so he could know what to get you. My husband buys great gifts for me even but I still made a wish list and he buys excellent gifts because you know I have certain things that I want and I'm like listen I could buy all this stuff for myself or I could put it on my wish list and he could choose a couple things from there and then add a couple of things but I know some men can't buy nothing good but anyways there are some quick fixes so be creative think of the quick fixes we were at one point we were arguing about our schedules because you know like he would be like oh I told you this was gonna happen and I'd be like no you didn't or I do the same thing vice versa and so what did we do we made a shared calendar if you if you didn't put it on the calendar then it's fair game so if we double schedule and something wasn't on the calendar then that person gets override it period because you know it's supposed to be on the calendar but I do have some advice for like women and I started off marriage in general like being real loud and boisterous and not like oh um I'm going to get in your face and stuff like that. But I was like ag- ag- aggressive basically in the way that I was communicating what I needed to communicate. You know, I'd be like, ain't nobody going to do all that kind of thing. You know, like just, just being boisterous for no reason. And so, you know, I always would look at the scripture that is like, have a gentle and quiet spirit. And I'd be like, okay, like God be for real. Like who's going to do that? But when you're doing all that loudness and all the extras and going back and forth and acting unladylike, it really doesn't get you what you want at the mm-hmm. end of the day is what I've noticed. It doesn't get you what you want. It doesn't add to the resolve. It doesn't make your man feel good. He already fit. You know what I mean? He's already feeling lower and we're supposed to be speaking life into him, but we speak in death into him. And really you're lowering your man, you know, who's a part of you and that's a reflection of yourself. And so um, being gentle and quiet, it don't mean that you're ignoring things, but it means like, you know what? I'm not, a, I'm not, nothing is going to get me out of character. I'm not going to be in here yelling at you. If I feel myself getting out of character, guess what? I'm going to walk away. I'm going to say, Ooh, let's take a break. And then I'm, let's get back. Cause I'm feeling irritated. I'm feeling frustrated. And so it's basically like being gentle and quiet is basically being unbothered. And it doesn't mean like, I'm never going to correct him. I'm never going to tell him if something's wrong. No, you just tell him, but you just tell him with the, with the gentle and quiet spirit. You just say, hey, like, you know, don't, I don't like you talk to me like that. I didn't talk to you like that. Or, hey, you're raising your voice at me. I don't like that. Hey, like when you did this earlier, it got, I didn't, I didn't appreciate that. I think it's something that we need to talk about. And really, you know, they're saying, um, you get more bees with honey than you do with, what is it, vinegar or lemons? And so, you know, you, a lot of times when I have a more, you know, gentle take to things, then, then I, I really essentially get what I want. You know what I mean? My, and I'm giving away all the women's secrets right now, but my husband, he, you know, he don't have any fuel. Like, Oh, she talked to me like I'm crazy or she talked to me like she's crazy. He don't have no fuel for that. And so, have you think I've changed in marriage in the way that I interact with you and talk to you in oh, general, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I guess on my on my end for the men, like you just have to really come to an understanding of of just what marriage is and the experience that you're going through. Like marriage is a journey, and you gotta understand that this is a journey of two human beings. So not one of us is perfect. Nobody is perfect, and it's really a continued learning stage. Um, I think most people, not just men, but I think most people when they get married, they get it wrong where they think that. Like, you're going to get to a point in marriage where, like, huh, I'm going to have this figured out. Bruh, like I said, we've been married for 13 years, and we've been together for 15 years. I'm still learning my wife. I'm constantly <laughs> learning. You know why I'm constantly learning her? Because she's constantly changing and evolving. Her her at 19 is not her at 33. You know what I mean? At 19, we was we was up married, thinking we knew everything. Insecure and yeah, everything. Insecure, prideful. She was just starting school. Now look at her, 33 years old, master's degree, school psychologist, three kids, doing a damn thing. You know what I mean? Um, and you just, know, you know. Yeah, she's just in a different <laughs> space. And I got to continue to keep that in mind. And also, too, like I said, as a man, like, I know we want to be Mr. Fix-It. I know we want to have all the answers and, you know, we feel like we just have this burden of just a calling on us from God to just be the you know, the knight and shining owner, the King Arthur of our castle and our court or whatnot. But just like I said, like it's a learning experience and you got to know where to sacrifice. You got to know where to submit. You got to know where to say, I'm sorry. And I think that's, I think that eludes us a lot when it comes to just being a man, because we're not going to get everything right every time. And that's exactly why God created a helpmate for us. We're to hold each other up and we're to carry each other together to, you know, like I said, we're a union, we're a unit, we're a, we're a union and this is teamwork. You know what I mean? Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we are dynamic, uh, we're, we're a dynamic duo. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when the Lakers assembled, you know, when they drafted Kobe, you know what I mean? They brought Shaq in and that's what brought the championships. Matter of fact, <laughs> Dame, Damian Lillard just got traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. So now he's about to be with Giannis. Like our marriage is a dynamic duo. And it's only going to work if we work in tandem. Um, so at the end of the day, man, when it comes to like this arguing stuff, um, sticks and stones may break my bones. Um, but boys play house and men build homes. I'm and rolling. So, no, this man didn't just shoot a, a poem to y'all. <laughs> that's, that's just, that's just I was free, about to say, don't that's say. That's just a little freestyle at the top. I was I'm thinking of that. Rolling. thinking that in the back of my mind. Hey, that's dope, though. I did like that. No, but for <laughs> real, like, like I said, like sticks and stone may break my bones, but boys play house and men build homes. Like, Period. You got to know you gotta know where to fight. You know what I mean? Like Just like you said, like not everything is worth arguing and not every disagreement is the end of the world. Take a breath. Think about it. You know what I mean? And say, like, is this something that we need to be going deeper on? Is this something that is really life-changing that's going to put us on the brink of divorce? Or is this just an irritation or just something I may be frustrated with in the now that's not going to matter in the later? Yeah. You know what I was thinking? It should have been sticks and stones may break your bones. Men build houses, but women make it a home. Oh, okay. Look at you. Hello. Little freestyling for you too. <laughs> I'm messing with it. But yeah, so with that, um, I was gonna say a few more things. Is basically, always speak life into your man because I had a real bad habit of of talking down to my husband, and I'm not proud of it because I just can't believe some of the things I used to say back in the day. I mean, I I haven't spoke down to him in a really 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 long time but you know just the fact that this is supposed to be somebody who you're building your house with this is somebody who is gonna be the father of your children or is the father of your children this is somebody who you know is supposed to have your best interest and so Mm -hmm. a lot of the time they say well the bible also says the power of of life or power of life and death is in, in the tongue. Yeah, is in the tongue. I don't know if I'm saying that right. My brain is life like, and death is in the power of the tongue. There we go. <laughs> Ooh, Lord, Lord, please forgive me. It's in Proverbs 19. Yeah. So, anyways, um, you can really speak death into your into your man. Like you're nothing. You're not good enough. You're you know, and he will start to believe those kind of things. And so, like, people think that women are just uh, we're just casting aside, but you really do influence your man and you really do um 
you know, you really do build him up to be who he's supposed to be. Like, he already has it in him, but you can diminish his fire. You can make his fire a little flame, or you can make his fire take over, you know, take over, basically. And so, you really got to speak life into him. But also, no, you can't make anybody do anything at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's for men and women. Like, you're going to get frustrated trying to make somebody do something. And so... I literally go by that with anybody and everybody. Like, I do that at work. I do that with my kids, with everybody. I can't make anybody do anything. It's your choice on whether you want to do right or not. However, you know, it is what it is. And that is going to have consequences. And then um, prayer. Like, so a lot of times I feel like prayer is like, oh, that's the last the last thing we do. But you know what? Like, when when you're really at odds with your man or your lady, then I just... I'll, something that I pray, like, when my husband's really getting on my nerves and I'm just feeling like, ugh. <laughs> I, whatever. Getting on your nerves. <laughs> oh, you absolutely get on my nerves sometimes. Yeah. But I say, I pray that um, God gives me something to respect. I'm like, God, give me something to respect about him. And then I I really do. And then I pay attention specifically to like certain mannerisms of yours or the way that you love me specifically. You know what I mean? And it'll always be like a little something that you do that I'm like, okay, there it is. That's what I needed. You know, I needed to see that. I needed to be reminded of that. And so, you know, it's just little prayers. I pray God, make him into the man you want him to be. God, make him into the husband that you want him to be. Now that was my forever prayer. I've prayed that for 13 years and the Lord done answered my prayer. He done answered me. That's interesting though in your prayer because for me in the beginning of our marriage, like when we used to be going through like rough patches like that, I used to be praying, especially like when we get into, because we was notorious for getting into arguments or into disagreements where I'll try to give you like my point of view and you just be like, I just don't see it that way. Oh, and I hated used to that. Be like, and I used to just be like, God, please just help her to see what I'm talking about. Lord, and I never did just, see it, yeah, did help I? Help her to just open her <laughs> eyes. But, I'm, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, that was the beginning of our relationship. And I used to be like, help her just see and open her eyes. But that prayer has changed to God. Help me to see what you want me to do. Help me to see how you want me to respond, how you want me to react. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? Lord. Answer that. Answer that. Help me to see the vision for Come this, on, marriage, Lord. this union that you built. You know, and like I said, and then and the answer, the answer to that might be, you know what I mean? Like me just saying I'm sorry. Even though even if even even at times where I feel like I really wasn't in the wrong in this disagreement. But like I said, you have to understand the sacrifice. You gotta just drop your pride sometime if you wanna really wanna mend spots, you know what I mean? Not to say that you just brush over everything. There are some there are some things that are worth talking about if it's like if you feel that it might be just detrimental to your relationship going forward, but the majority of the things that you're frustrated arguing about, about is yeah, nothing. It's, it's, they're minuscule. In the grand scope, in the grand scope of your marriage, in the thousand foot view, it's minuscule. Yeah, we. I was gonna say we literally argued over the length of a PT cruiser one time. I mean, like a real life <laughs> argument. Like it was so bad. We didn't talk for like three days. It was great. Well, really, over a PT cruiser. It was and funny he, to me because I was just like, girl, like. A lot of people Here like. Well, now I'm just saying because trigger, like my okay, like I have like three loves or whatnot. Music is my first love. Cars and like cars and like planes. No, Kristen is your first love. Correct that, sir. I'm talking about like my I'll like, just, like I'll just, stuff babe, like that. I'm just kidding. But yeah, like music and poetry. That's my first love. My second love would be like the mechanic, the mechanics of like cars and airplanes. And then my third love would be like architecture. And so, like, I'm a I'm a real car enthusiast. And so, like, at that point when she was trying to argue with me, like with the PT Cruiser, I was like, girl, I'm the car person in the in the in the relationship. Why are you trying to argue? I, I don't with remember me? who was right, but it's not even matter. I just let, I'm gonna let him <laughs> but that, have that. But I'm just saying. But that's just how minutes. <laughs> he probably like, was right. Like what the P, PT Cruiser aren't even around anymore. Our marriage has outlasted a PT Cruiser. You know what I mean? When we got when we got with each other, PT cruisers are still on dealership lots. That that car is now discontinued. And but that really that's a good analogy to show just how minuscule arguments can be. We got into an argument over a car that doesn't even exist anymore. Literally. And we had quite a few just like that. But now I'm willing to take the L on certain conversations because we used to get in a lot of Google Google arguments. I call them the Google arguments. Well, Google it. Let's see who's right. Then somebody get their feelings hurt because they was wrong. 
at this point, you know what I say? I'd be like, okay, it don't matter to me. It don't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you could be right. Cause honestly, it's just not that big of a deal. And so my last advice for y'all is to be, be an unbothered baddie. Okay. Oh, like, baddie. yes, good. like stay a baddie, sis. Don't let anybody take you out of character. Mm. Like, that's so unladylike. And I just can't believe that I just used to be acting so ugly like that. And you can never get me out of character. I'm not getting out of character for nobody, not a nan. And when I find myself arguing, don't I, what do I do, babe? What do, what do I do when I find myself acting ugly? You walk upstairs. I sure do. I'd be like, ooh, I can't do this right now. Yeah, and, and okay, my last thing, too. Like, you going upstairs, <laughs> for me, for, for a long time, because you know me, like, when we get into arguments, I've gotten to a point where I've always been to this point. I hate arguing. I've never want. I'm like that Neo song. I thought like, he liked it. No, like, I'm like that Neo song. Like, I don't want everyone to say, like, go to bed, like, mad at each other. Like, That's I like fate, to, I like to nip, yeah, but I like to nip, like, whatever argument or disagreement we have, I like to nip that in the butt right then and there or then in the same day. Cause I just hate stuff lingering. But anyway, I had to even get over my own complex. Cause like when we get into arguments or disagreements and then you would go upstairs, I would feel like, Oh, you just don't want to hear me. Like you just don't want to hear me out. Or like, I'll just take it as kind of like low key slight, like disrespect. But that's oh where it comes. Oh my gosh. Men think everything yeah, is but, disrespectful but too, I'm by saying, the That's way. where it comes into really just changing your perspective because I had to now, I had to then start looking at like, okay, like, obviously like she's getting to a point like she's getting to a heated point where she's doing the smart thing and separating herself you know what i mean giving herself space giving us space you know and giving herself time to either process or just come back down instead of just being in the ring with each other heated where the argument might go to places we don't need it to go or we don't want it to go yeah somebody somebody gotta be the the person to walk away you know Somebody truly does have to be the person to walk away, especially if you guys know you guys get ugly like that, you know? But earlier, anyway, this to end this segment, I was just la- I was chuckling earlier when we were just talking about our Google arguments. Cause I was just thinking, like, I think the most funniest Google argument we got into was the height of an owl. Because, bruh, I Is used that to- an argument? No. Nah, or we, were you mad? No, nah, we was getting, no, we was really getting to disagreement. Remember when I was telling you, okay, look, y'all, look. I was working. This was like he must our have first been, year he must have been upset. Oh, no, this is no, our first year. This was like this was was not was it our first year? It might have been our first or second year of marriage. But this is when I was working at um, Odessa, and so I'm I used to work graveyard shift doing security, right? And bruh, I pulled over. I pulled out into a street, and I seen an owl like flying down into the middle of the street, right? And it was huge. I was like, bruh. I told her, I was like, girl. This owl I saw, it was a white owl. He said it was like six feet it, tall. No, 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 no. I, no, 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 I said a... it was four feet. I said it was four feet tall. I said it. I said it had to be like four feet tall. Oh, what now? You was like, owls don't get that. They don't get that big. And I was like, bro, I'm telling you, this one I saw, it got that. It was that big. Because it, it was so big. Like, I seen it fall. I seen it fly from the sky, land in the middle of the street. I stopped my car because I was like, yo, what is this? And then, like, I flashed my lights or whatnot, seen his eyes, and it flew back up into the air, and I was like, yo, that was a big old bird, but anyway, we was trying to look up the, the height of, of and of And they only grow to three feet tall, by the way, yeah. so but, Kristen was right. Well, no, 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 but, Two points see, for Kristen. no, 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 but remember, we looked it up, and there's a special owl called the Harpy Owl, which, like, I think... It, the tallest it gets is three feet tall. I'm looking it up right now just it to says clarify. It says the Harpy Owl? Absolutely. Oh, well, there, I guess there we have it. Uh, so, Kristen was Google. right. But it's okay, because it doesn't matter to me. An owl is not bigger than our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but but the owl was big, though, nonetheless, is what he said. Yeah. And so, men, they be exaggerating a little bit. We just got to let them have it. But anyways, no argument no argument is worth your marriage at the end of the day. People be throwing throwing in the towel over nothing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's uh let's get into the parenting segment. Okay, so our roots and bloom. This is our roots and bloom section. Yes. For those of you turning for the tuning in for the first time, we name our sections, and so our roots and bloom section is where we talk about our parenting stuff. Yes. So what do we have on the docket for today? Today are today are <laughs> I are baboon. Have you ever watched that show? Yeah, you used to come on the Cartoon Network, right? Uh, yeah. I kind of want to watch it because I don't remember what it was about. A bunch of nothing. We used to watch Courage the Cowardly Dog. No, like, no, that was a good show. That's a no, classic. When you, when you no, when you really think about the stuff that we used to watch, Curse the Cowardly Dog, Cat Dog, like Cat Dog was, shows was about that was Rocco's Modern Life. Now Rocco's Modern Rocco's Life is Modern a classic. Life. That wasn't classic but, to me. Hey Arnold, that was, that was classic to me. But it's about, about a bunch of nothing. 
Okay, anyways, <laughs> today our, not our, our topic is parenting pet peeves. Mm-hmm. What comes to mind when you hear parenting pet peeves has been? Well, my first pet peeve, I'm going to just get it off my chest, bruh. My kids be moving so slow. It's like I tell them something. Now, you always tell me, well, babe, they got to process it. Like, I don't think I had to. I don't think I was processing it in the 90s. My That's because you just get a beat. Yeah, my mama told me to beat, do something, but, and you know, I'm doing it. You were I getting tell, hit. I tell these kids to do something. The first, they look at me as if I'm speaking in hieroglyphics or something like that. <laughs> Not hieroglyphics. And then, like, they just move so slow at doing something. Like, bruh, get it yes. together. Yeah. That, I didn't even mention, uh, write that down as one of my pet peeves. But, oh, my gosh, they do move slow. But you know why they move slow? Guess who moves slow? I don't move slow. My husband, y'all. I'm fast. That like boy, you should see this boy try to rush. It is the funniest thing because he moves slower when he tries to rush it. It's just great. <laughs> and when he panics, it's just, I'm like, husband, you're not, you're not moving fast, baby. Um, but, okay. Uh, one of my pet peeves is crying. All the crying. So, I grew up in a family like, we wasn't going to cry or you was going to get something to cry about. You feel me? Uh-oh. So, it's 90s nostalgia. Yeah, so there was no crying. These kids cry so much all the time about everything. The seven-year-old, the six-year-old, the two-year-old, they all cry, cry, cry. And I already told you I'm not a crier on this episode. I just don't cry at all. <laughs> and it is like a legit trigger. Like, I could feel like the hairs raising on my arms. I could feel like the heat going to my body like it's an actual trigger and it will send me to like from like zero to ten so i've developed something to combat the crying (laughs) and i did this um really i did it for a work project because you know i'm like "Mm." it's it's really to determine what is the appropriate reaction for like the level of intensity of a problem that you have and so crying is not unnecessary and I don't want to teach my kids that they can't cry so I have this thermometer that I made Mm -hmm. and it has green to red green is like a like a really little problem and red is like an extreme problem and so it has things that are like red it would be like you're in danger. Someone hit you, you know, something like that. Something that's green would be like you're itching or you lost your pencil, something like that. Anyways, so I have this sheet and they're supposed to, I haven't given it to the kids yet, but I'm waiting for them to cry unnecessarily and for me to have time because I'm going to have time that day. They have to choose like how big their problem is. And then if they cried, then they're going to have to, and it was like a small problem, then they're going to have to write like, what was their reaction? Was that a big reaction to a small problem or a, a appropriate reaction? And then they have to come up with what coping strategy they're going to use the next time. So hmm. parents, a lot of time we were used to punishing our kids, but now that I'm a school psych, I'm learning that we have to teach our kids. Well, mm-hmm. something we should have already known, but you know, so I'm big on the teaching. So in order to combat the crying, instead of being panic stricken and anxious from all the crying i've decided to fight it and you don't even know this because i didn't even tell you that i developed that but yeah so crying is a big pet peeve for me is the crying a pet peeve for you or not yeah well crying is a pet peeve for me because they all be crying for different things autumn cries when she get like frustrated she crying when she doing some homework and can't figure something out or Or loses her lunch pail yeah yeah misplaces something August literally cry if I if my or has to go downstairs by herself if my voice has a just an end of inflection on it he crying as if I yelled at him and said he was good for nothing. <laughs> like, just me telling him to get his shoes or whatnot, and he crying. And He'll cry we, when we tell him to get off the tablet. Then we then cancel we, the and tablet. And then we got Josie. Josie just, she, she just confused. She's just a baby. She's still learning. <laughs> but no, she do she cries unnecessarily too, and I be having her, uh-uh, yeah. stop all that crying. Ask for what you want. Yeah, but, yeah. Yes, yeah. So we're teaching. We're going to start teaching soon. I That's have the good. papers okay. for us. But you know what else gets on my nerves? A pet peeve? Hmm. The picky eating. I don't so, really. I mean, I guess that kind of But not me. not even just the picky eating. It's the I will they will tell me, "Mom, I love Nilla wafers." Okay. I don't know why you be listening to these kids. Okay. So I I have trauma because my dad made us eat healthy snacks for lunch and I used to be like 
that I I I used to be like uh going in people's lunches and trying to take their lunch till I got caught. Cause I didn't want the healthy, right. That is raggedy. That's so embarrassing, (laughs) but I didn't want the healthy snacks. So I try and buy my kids good snacks. Okay. So I love Nilla wafers. So I go to the store and stock up on Nilla wafers. They'd be like, Oh, these are my favorite mom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And they will eat them for like two days. And then they'd be like, "Mm, my taste buds changed. I don't like those. And so that's the newest one. They've done that with Nilla wafers. They've done that with Oreos. They've done that with Rice Krispies. They've done that with Pop-Tarts. They've done that with applesauce. They've done it with fruit cups. And the newest Man, they is the... stacking up. Stacking yeah, up literally. So, you know, it just bothers me because I'm like, listen, I buy all these snacks, and then it's what you want, it's what you ask for, and then you don't like them. And so I just don't know what to do about that. But... Listen, I was really feeling some type of way about this today, right? And I'm like, where did they get that from? And you know who they got that from? From you. (laughs) We already know. It's me. I'm the problem. So I literally won't eat if I don't have what I want to eat. I will starve myself unless I have what I want to eat. And that's why you got to learn how to cook. That's why I had to learn how to cook because, you know, I'm going to eat certain things all the time. And so... Most recently, I decided I wanted the uh, the little garbanzo bean bowls, like the the Greek bowls. Mm-hmm. And I bought them. I bought all the stuff. And I was tearing them up the first week. And I did it the second week. Keontae said, you're you only going to like week. it for two yeah, weeks. you got a two-week span on stuff. I made it a week and a half. And all that stuff is sitting in there rotten. And so, anyways, my kids get it from me. So, I can't even be mad. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even really thought about that. Because, bro, yeah, I've, you've, you've gone through a couple of phases. You've gone through the... Acai bowl phase. I done bought you a bunch of acai. Matter of fact, I, I think yeah, you're still an acai bowl in the freezer. I don't want it. Oh, what now? You're going through your garbanzo bean phase. You're going through your... Are, are you over the kava phase? They just opened up... Oh, no. I love kava. kava still, but I'm and trying so not to wear it out. Have... I'm in a crepe phase right now. Oh, oh my God. Let's pray <laughs> for the crepes. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, moving on. My, my next pet peeve is... These kids not looking properly. And what I mean by that is, <laughs> bruh, really, it'd be August. He be killing me. Like, t- just tonight. We have a routine for them when they when it's time for them to go to bed. Their last 30 minutes before they go to bed, we want them to read, right? And I cleaned up, I cleaned up an area of their room last night where they literally had, I, I kid you not, there was about 30 books in their room. I have them all stacked up on the, on the hallway banister upstairs, right? And mm-hmm. August goes upstairs to put on his pajamas. And I said, August, put your pajamas on and then get you a book from the counter on upstairs and then read a book there. I, I Then I hear him calling downstairs, Dad, I don't, I don't see any books. I said, August, look, they're upstairs on the counter. <laughs> uh, okay. And then like five minutes goes by and he says, yeah, I don't see, I don't see the books. So then now here I go coming upstairs. And then when I get upstairs, number one, he don't even got his pajamas on. So we've already wasted eight minutes. And you don't even have your pajamas on. And then I'm like, August, I said they're on the counter upstairs. Where else is there a counter? You can go in your bathroom. There's a counter. There's no books there. So then what What else, What are the counter? Like, so we have like a hallway that connects our room to their room. And there's like a little banister, a cab, like a cabinet with, with a cabinet top. Or whatnot, which that's what I call the counter. Oh, would not for them to understand. And there's just 30 books stacked up right there. Yeah. But then, so when I came upstairs and said, August, the books is right here. Guess what happened? He started he crying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's so funny. Um, I can explain to you why that happens. First of all, kids at this age, they don't have well-developed executive functioning, which is their organization skills and how your brain interprets and and organizes things basically and 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 formulates and has the steps in your mind Mm -hmm. and so they don't have those skills well developed so where you went where i guess where the issue is is that first you told them i told i gave them instructions before i left and then you gave them the instructions put on your pajamas get in your bed go read 
So that's a lot of instruction. So put it on your pajamas. As an adult, you think, okay, put on your pajamas, get in bed, go read. You can do that easily, okay? I'm going to go in my room. This is the thought process. We're going to go in our room. We're going to open the drawer. We're going to look for the pajamas. We're going to put the pajamas on. After we put the pajamas on, we're going to walk out the room, go to the banister, or go and look for the books. I don't know where the books are, so we're going to look for the books. Oop, I lost the books. Okay, let me keep looking until I find them. Then we're going to get in the bed with a book and we're going to read. That's what you'd expect, right? But for a kid, that's a lot of steps, especially for a child who's six and seven. So the appropriate thing for a kid who's six and seven is put on your pajamas. That's the first, that's the, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. So they put on their pajamas. Okay. What's after putting on your pajamas? You could ask them so they could prime you. Oh, getting, getting books. Okay. Where's the books at? I don't know. Okay. Look on the counter upstairs, you know, but basically it's because they had so much in their mind. Okay. Put on pajamas, find the books. I don't know where the books are. Okay. Read. Okay. So it's just too many things for them to compute in their little minds, basically. And so, you know, a lot of times as parents, we get frustrated, but we can't forget that they're only six and seven and they haven't really had to organize or plan anything. And a lot of times as parents, we do everything for them, so they haven't even had the the chance to really organize and plan those things. And so really you just want to do like one thing at a time and then go to the next step. And then they, you have to really tell them, okay, so when I tell you to put on your pajamas, this would be like an exercise you'd do. When I tell you to put on your pajamas, what should you do? And then they have to walk you through it. Okay, I go upstairs. What do you do first? I go upstairs. Okay, when you go upstairs, what do you do? Then I go and open the drawer, okay? After you open the drawer, what do you do? I find the pants. Okay, what do you do if there's not a shirt in there? Um, See, and then they get lost. So it's a, it's literally a lot of steps that they have to go through. And talking it out, it probably sounds like, oh, that is kind of complicated, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it is it's hard for the kids, you know? And we just have to remember that we still have to teach them all these things. And one day they'll get it. A lot of lists. That's why we have a list for everything. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's our resident school psychologist there giving I'm you some, some free tips. <laughs> to help you not go crazy on these kids. Yeah. Should I do one more pet peeve or you got another one? Um, you can do your last one. We can we can we can hone in on your on yours on your last one, then move to the next segment. Okay. My last one is two. Okay. <laughs> Said that that's not a last one, huh? Okay. The first one is all the touching. Ugh. They want to be. Well, I, thought all... was a, I thought as a mom, y'all like to touch them. I do. I love to hug my children, but I like to hug them on my terms, and mm. so I do have to like so fight you get back. Touched out. I do. I get touched out, and they all want to be on me all the time, and so sometimes I'm like, oh my god. Sometimes you know those days as a woman, you just want nobody to touch you. Mm. You just want to just be free, and so you know, they just want to be all over me all the time, and then you sometimes you feel like. Oh, I don't want to ruin them, but it's important though to like to express those boundaries. Hey, like mommy don't doesn't want to do no any hugs right now, but I'll be willing to hug you in about ten minutes, or I'll hug you, you know, after dinner, or hey, let's do a hug for five seconds and then let's let mommy go because mommy has had a day where I just need to sit alone, and so it's okay to express those boundaries, and we don't want to really let children think that they're the end all be all in the world and everything resolves around them. Cause you know, we still have boundaries as parents. So anyways, that's one. And then my last one is that like we have our routines, right? And it's kind of our fault a little bit, but we have like a, a little sheet for them to walk around with, which I don't know where the sheets are at this point. Scattered. But yeah, so for (laughs) for a while though, you know, they really were needing the sheets and stuff, and we would prompt them sometimes. But then they just started memorizing on them on their own. Now all of a sudden they reverted back to they don't they act like they don't know what they're doing no more. And I'm like, bro, you had the sheet for like like a month and you were doing great and then you were doing great without the sheet but anyways i guess we gotta it's i say it's our fault because we gotta bring the sheets back now but then see it too like i just feel like there's just i'm just like come on man there's certain stuff like you just i shouldn't even have to tell you at this point like for example today or not even today for the past like week august has been getting in the car when i pick him up from school right he'll open the car door he'll get in the car then he'll start taking off his backpack putting on his seat belt but my car door is still open while he's still doing this. 
So I've had to tell them every day, August, get in the car, close the door, and then do that stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he just act like I'm teaching him quantum physics or something like that. Like, boy, it ain't that hard to remember that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it goes back. Even mine, my uh, pet peeve, it all goes back to that executive functioning. So, the moral of the story is, parenting is hard, there's lots of pet peeves, and we gotta keep teaching them. Yeah, that's tough. Because, listen, punishment, that's what the answer was when we were 90s kids, but the answer is consequences and teaching. Teaching and consequences. But yeah, so... Uh, what you got for us for our next segment, baby? There it is. Well, this is our lifestyle section. Um, and so really this is my section because like I explained earlier, like I'm a purveyor of many things. A, a purveyor. Oh, uh, I like that. A connoisseur of a lot of things. But like I said, Talk them big words to me, baby. Know, music, music, poetry. That's like, like, that's my big love. You know, then I said, I like, you know, cars and planes and architecture. And I forgot to also throw in, I am a cinephile. I love film and movies. Um, but today, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about my I want to talk about my good brother Ed Sheeran, my 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 boy Eddie Sheeran. Um, is his name Eddie? Nah, his name is his name is Ed Sheeran. Is I don't it, know, is I don't his real name Edward? Well, I don't know what Ed is short for. I gotta now I gotta, I gotta look, look it up. up. I'm gonna yeah, look it up yeah, while you, you talking. Can look it up while I'm talking. Might be Edward Sheeran, but anyway. <laughs> um, so Ed, he's uh, been on a world tour. Um, he just made a stop here in, in L.A. And what was dope about this stop is that um, he played SoFi Stadium, which is now like our biggest stadium in this area. Um, so what he uh, he did two things. First off, he played he played the stadium, but he also set a record in the stadium. He set the single day attendance record for eighty one thousand people at a show. And see, and and it's interesting. What makes it interesting how he was able to uh, achieve this is because the way that he sets up his show and the way he does his stage. I'm, a, I'm, like, I just love when I go to concerts. I'm a, I love going to live concerts. Number one, but I love going to concerts and seeing how people set up their like stages and like their presentation. Like you know, we just had Beyonce in the Renaissance tour that's coming to a close. The way she just had a big grand stage. We had Taylor Swift in the Eras tour or whatnot. But what a lot of these people do when they like play big stadiums, first off, it's a flex playing a stadium anyway because that means you really got to sell some tickets. But most of the time when people do stadiums like football stadiums, their stages will be so elaborate and big that half of like a little, not even half, like maybe like a you know, a little bit less than half of the stadium is actually the seats are blocked off because that's where the stage is at. So you'd be sitting, you know, behind the stage, right? And so technically you couldn't really fill the whole stadium to capacity. What Ed Sheeran has done is he's created a circular stage that is in the middle of the field that rotates. So you can literally sit anywhere in the stadium and have a good view, which I thought is ingenious. That's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, so he had a giant rotating stage. And then he, on top of the giant rotating stage that he sat, that he stood on, he also had six different um, rotating mini stages around the stage that had the band members that was playing, that were playing the song. So, it was dope. But His name is Edward, by the way. Edward Sharon. Eric, Edward Christopher Sharon. Ed, Ed, Edward Christopher Sharon. Eddie Chris. <laughs> But nah, but um, but what was so dope about his stop in L.A., even though he set that record and like like I said, that's that's nothing to snuff at because like I said, like SoFi is our biggest stadium. Like if you if you're from L.A. or ever, ever been to California, like you think of places like Dodger Stadium, Dodger Stadium, the capacity of Dodger Stadium is fifty six thousand. And then you think about like Kobe Bryant and Shaq and the Staples Center. Well, now it's the Crypto.com Arena. But even that that only holds about 20,000 people. Right, so bruh, having eighty one thousand people in one place, just in comparison, for his one show, just him by himself, that's almost that's like him selling out. Like that's like him performing at Coachella by himself. I think Coachella, wow. yeah, Coachella is at a hundred. I think it's like a hundred thousand, maybe like a hundred and twenty thousand now. But you know, like it's close to that. But anyway, what was really dope about his stop in L.A. is that after the show, the day after he performed. Bruh, my man went to Compton. He went into Compton. He went to Dominguez High School, right? Um, that's you know where that's where I'm from. I'm from Compton. Uh, so he went to He's my hometown. 
I just played. <laughs> yeah, he went to my hometown, bruh, and um, he went to Dominguez High School and did, like, a Q&A session with the kids and, like, actually, like, showed them, like, some like some music tips and things of that nature. And I just thought that that was so dope because if you know anything about Ed Sheeran, like, Ed Sheeran is already, like, a pretty, like, down-to-earth musician. You know what I mean? Like, he comes from Humble Beginnings. He was... He used to just sit out in front of the O2 Arena in England, which... The O2 Arena in England would be, like I said, be like our Dodger Stadium or be like our SoFi Stadium. And his only dream was really to just to perform at, like, small venues, small clubs, and, you know, just having anybody to listen to his music. So, bro, to go from that to selling out, you know, an arena full of 81,000 people, and that's not it. That's not all. Like, you think that that's just one record? He holds the record in 16 other stadiums around the world, the attendance record. So Ed Sheeran just ain't like, oh, that's just a guy just playing the guitar. Like, this this guy is a superstar. Um, me and you were talking about, like, different people and, like, what they, like, their counterparts. Like, I was like, Beyonce is pretty much kind of like what Michael Jackson is in our in our generation. I think Ed Sheeran, to me, like, the Beatles craze that was going on, Ed Sheeran is like, he's like that, you know, for this generation. Um and yeah, it's just it's just amazing to see. But anyway, back to what he was doing at Compton. Um, I think it was just dope um, that he just went into Compton, went to Dominguez, and you know, like you you saw pictures of him like taking selfies with the kids, just talking to kids. You know what I mean? Like I said, just giving a real down to earth vibe. And I just love that because like coming from that city, like you don't really see people that are like totally from the outside like he's from a whole different country and to be a giant superstar like that just coming into the hood and like talking to kids giving them like inspiration is Compton still the hood Compton is Compton is still very much the hood um you know and just coming into just coming into you know places like that and um you know just kids getting to have that experience um, he even broke down like his writing like how he writes songs and you know how how he gets a beat started so I just thought that it was just something dope um, to just highlight. And, man, I'm hoping more, you know, more artists um, get hip to that. Um, and I know he, he came there by way of a, there's an actual, like, music program. that's called, the, like, the J. Dilla Technology Music Grant um, that allows for, like, you know, artists that are in the music industry to come out to schools and talk to kids and do Q&As and things of that nature. That's um, cool. But, yeah, man, I just wanted to highlight that because, like I said, Ed Sheeran is dope. Um, if you if you follow me on like social media and stuff like that, I always have high praise for Ed Sheeran because, like I said, not only is he just a dope like singer, like he can the guy can actually sing, but he's a multi uh, instrumentalist. He can play a, a bunch of instruments. He produces his own music. He writes his own music. Um, and like I said, at the end of the day, he's just like a down to earth guy, just humble. Like like um, a lot of people don't know. Like Ed Sheeran took five years off. He took about five years off. Uh, would not because him and his he got married number one and then him and his wife yeah his wife got pregnant then they had a kid and he was like i'm gonna just take a break from music because i want to spend this time with my family and you know raise my kid good for him and just took just took time off you know what i mean and then just came back and now he's about to drop an album um tomorrow actually um oh i know you're excited yeah yeah so this album is called the autumn um Autumn Variations. Ooh, you're really going to like that. Um, and it has your baby's name in it. Uh, yeah, so... My husband sold out. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm eager to see, man, what he's going to cook up. Like, so I'm a big, big Ed fan. And it's just interesting because he's moving out of his mathematics stage. Every one of his albums so far up to this point, they were in a, a mathematic equation. So you had divide, you had plus, you had multiply, you know, um... Or X, what people call it, but yeah, it's just it's just really dope to see him engaging with the community, engaging with kids that will probably more than likely, you know, might you know not just get to go to an Ed Sheeran show or something like that. And he was straight up in Dominguez High School, playing his songs in the gymnasium, and taking selfies with the kids. I just thought that that was just that's so cool. Dope. That's really cool, honestly. So, but yeah, that was that was my lifestyle section. I wish um, I loved music as much as you. 
Well, I mean, you, I mean, because the concerts make me go to sleep. Bro, I love live music. I love live concerts and especially live music. People that are actually musicians, like I said, like Ed Sheeran would be like the musician to go see her. I like her. Her plays a lot of instruments. God rest his soul. Like I would have wished I was able to go to a Prince concert when he was um, doing his tour. Um, but yeah, man, love music. Um, and like I said, shout out to my guy Ed. And Ed. I love sleep. <laughs> well, on that note, um, that brings me to the end of our segment and the end of this podcast episode. Um, we just want to thank uh, you for listening. Yeah, we want to thank you again for just spending time with us, um, you know, listening to our topics. Um, as always, you know, we ask that you just guys go to, to the to the rating section or the comment section. Leave us some feedback. Leave us some comments. Um, hopefully this was a five star episode. You guys can give us a five star rating. Um, and then maybe you might have some topic suggestions. Maybe there's something that you want to hear. Maybe there's something you would like us to expound on that you did hear. Whatever the case may be, um, leave it in the comment section. Um, let us know how we're doing. And yeah, we'll you know your 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 comment or your topic might turn into an episode one day. Um, so again, we just want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, as always, God bless, and we'll catch you next week.